0: Wow, thank you very much. Now, that'll pump you up right there. I appreciate it. Um, I want to just thank Pastor Mac for inviting me to come and be a part of your service. Six months ago, uh, our daughter Tiffany um, left our ministry in Missouri and came here to Lake Hills. And um, you know what, as hard as it was to lose her, I am so glad that she is under the leadership of Pastor Mac and Julie and all of the great team that here is here at Lake Hills Church. You all have a great church. You you realize what a great church you have? Uh, Yeah, you do. And so um, I'm I'm grateful to be able to be here today. And Pastor Mac asked me to talk about uh, the theme was tipping point. You know that tipping points come to our life all the time. And I think probably one of the greatest regular tipping points that we experience are when we go through trouble, or we have an unexpected event happen in our life, where we're dealing with a great disappointment, when all of a sudden, in our mind's eye, we were going to be here by this time, and now this has happened, and I have no idea where I'm going. This is not the way I had planned for my life to work out. Have you ever experienced something like that? I mean, and and in, in those moments... Especially in those moments of trial, we are at a tipping point every single time. In fact, it is so important that in the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus teaches us to pray this phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the word temptation there in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is the same word temptation that occurs in James, where James says, count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of temptations. Why? Every time something happens in our life that's trouble, that's unexpected, that's a setback, the evil one will come to us and he will work immediately to turn us against God. And he'll say things like, if God really was good, why is this happening? If God really does love you, then why did he let this happen to you? Are you sure God is good? And you know, we are We often hear people complain when bad times happen. Well, why did God do this? Well, why did God do that? And and honestly, God gets more blame than we should ever think he would deserve, and he gets less praise than he certainly does deserve. And that's the way life works. I want to talk to you about a tipping point in my life and in our family's life. Um, We have five children. My my wife and I grew up in the Philippines. We were missionary kids. She went to the Philippines as a, a six-month, five- or six-month-old baby in her daddy's arms on a freighter. When my family went to the Philippines, I was six years old. It was 21 days across the Pacific. You know, back then, missionaries didn't, uh, you know, it was cheaper to get on a ship and travel, um, and and the jumbo jets weren't flying. That makes me sound really old. Uh, But anyway, it is what it is. Um, Now we would call it a 21-day cruise, and none of us could have afforded that, right? You know, so... But we went to the Philippines. Cindy and I met as children uh, in the Philippines, missionary kids. We married, and the Lord has given us five children. And so we've got these great kids that the Lord—of all of the things in my life, I've said many ridiculous and stupid things, I just have to admit to you. Uh, And one of them was when we first found out that we were expecting our first child, Tiffany, I was on my way to church. And um, I I called, and I got the uh, receptionist to actually tell me the results of the pregnancy test, which she wasn't supposed to do, but I convinced her. And uh, anyway, I I hung the phone up, and I said, Cindy, it's positive. We're going to have a baby. Okay, I got to go. And she says, what? You're just, like, walking out right now? We've got to enjoy this moment. I says, Cindy, it's just a baby. I got to go. Was that the most ridiculous statement any man has ever made? (laughs) I didn't know how much you could love somebody like a child. And then the second one comes along and you're wondering, man, I I hope there's enough love in this heart. I'm I'm so crazy about the first one. What about the second one? And, And then it happens. It's the most amazing thing to be able to have. And I feel so blessed. Well, when we were expecting our fifth child, everything was going good. We had no concerns at all. And Cindy delivered um, our last child, James, uh, cesarean section. And so, you know, I mean, I love the waiting room. I tried the the first time around to be in there and watch the whole thing happen. Oh my goodness, that's tough. So um, I was from that point on really glad to just be in the waiting room. You know, that's that's kind of dad I want to be. And and so the the, 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 they brought out the baby, and uh, I immediately held him and opened him up, you know, unwrapped him and counted fingers and toes. I Man, He's a good looking guy. And, and then um, a few hours later, Cindy came out of the anesthesia and she said, I, I want to see, I want to see the baby. And so the nurse brought the baby in and handed him to me, and I brought him over to Cindy, and she, she looked at him. She was still a little groggy. She stroked his brow, and, and then she says, Eddie, is everything okay? And I said, yeah, everything's great. I mean, I, I counted fingers and toes. Everything's good. And then she says, you know, Eddie, she, he just looks a little different than the other kids. Are you sure everything's okay? I said, oh, he's fine. Everything's fine. But at that moment, I just felt this dagger go through my heart because, you know, a mother's intuition is not something to just blow off. A few hours later that day, the pediatrician came into our room and opened the door, and immediately a chill came into the room. The gait of her step, the cadence of her speech, her demeanor. And I, I kind of got scared. I said, doctor, is, there, is everything okay? Is our baby okay? She says, oh, you know, he's, he's fine. He's doing good. But, and then there was that long pause that seemed like it would be an eternity. But there is something we need to talk about. And then she told us, she says, you know, I, I think you're going to be looking at some special needs situation. I want to be real careful because I got a wonderful guy in the room and I don't want to ever label him. And... and at that moment our lives changed forever. And We were scared. I mean, we were thinking how how sad is it that our guy could grow up with challenges? And what's his life going to be like? And, man, we, we just want our, our child to grow up and thrive and be happy and do well. And and we have no idea what's going to happen here because this is just uncharted territory for us. We We just had kind of like this sadness that just kind of it, it's a profound sadness. We, we knew that w- what had just happened was going to change the direction of our lives forever. This is not something you're going to recover from. This is not something that you get past. This is just like a new path. It's like we got on a plane to go to London, and we landed in Amsterdam, and we're never leaving Amsterdam. We're here for the duration. And so um, Cindy and I, we, we begin to sh- go through that struggle, the fog of uncertainty and And I just want to stop right now and say that if I had known back then what I know now, that would have been a whole different experience. But of course, you don't know. I mean, James is the happiest person I know. I mean, uh, this guy can dance like crazy. You put on some hip-hop music. I dropped him off to junior high for the first time at church. And uh, after church, I went and asked the teacher, so I'm like, how did it go? You know, I'm kind of a little concerned. And they said, well, he was great. Uh, you know, the pre-music before the class began had a little hip-hop playing. He hit the floor and gave us a whole demonstration. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I try to dance as good as James, but he tells me I'm, never, I'm, never, I'm not good. No, uh-uh, <laughs> not as good as him. I mean, this guy loves WWE wrestling. I mean, he loves it. You know, he turned 21 in July, and you know, he he got about three more uh, action figures, and this makes, I think, 101, because there's never enough. He sits there and can recite every single wrestler's name. Knows everything about it. This this guy uh, is has probably got one of the best basketball shots in the neighborhood in the in the driveway. Man, he can he can shoot that ball. He beats me all the time. Um, you know, one thing I love about James is uh, he. he he has he the best self image of anybody I know. I've been on a diet for th- my whole life, I think. It doesn't work. Maybe it's because I end it at nun- lunch. But anyway, uh, that's not a good plan. But anyway, we were talking about being on a diet one day, and James uh, stood up at the table and he says, Hey, he held his tummy. He says, I fat. I like it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh, to be so happy. He has taught me to celebrate ordinary things in life. Like in my house, You know what is a great day to celebrate, Thursday night, because tomorrow is Friday and Friday is trash day. We have the most enthusiastic trash can on the block, I'm telling you. I've learned so much. You know, we can celebrate the ordinary. We can celebrate the daily. I love my guy. He has brought so much to my family, but you know what I didn't know back then what this path was going to look like. And I was struggling to figure it out. In my struggle one day, I, I told Cindy, man, we have no idea what's going to happen in the future. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just like belly aching." And she's like this angel of faith. She says, Eddie, the only thing I know I have is I have this adorable baby boy in my arms, and I'm going to take care of him. And then she says one day, I hope he's happier than you. <laughs> you know, it's like a wife can say the right thing at the right time. I'm like, she's so right. But that was a tipping point for me. For nine months, I prayed and I cried and I complained and I told God he had made a mistake. And I told God things like, God, I have given my life to be a missionary. I don't know what else I can give you. And and God, so you think in my busy schedule, it was a good idea to give us a child that's going to require therapists, specialists, and all kinds of things. And how in the world am I going to find these people in the Philippines? And to go down to the university hospital is a two-hour drive down and a two-hour drive back. And God, I'm going to be taking away time from my ministry. And so how is, as you plan the world, how is this a good idea? Why could you not have answered our prayer like we prayed, give us a child without these complications? And and I, I was complaining and complaining and complaining. And I was like a missionary. I mean, we're just like you, the honest truth is. Finally, one day I was complaining and praying. My spiritual life was struggling. And I was taking a walk, as, and, and I walked in this place that had, you know, there weren't a lot of houses yet developed, and as I was praying, all of a sudden, uh, complaining to God, I kinda felt like God said something. I didn't hear an audible voice, but it's like he dropped a message into my soul. And this is what it sounded like to me. Eddie, I'm God and you're not. And if I want to give a baby like this to somebody, I don't ask permission, because, like, I'm God. And actually, I don't owe you an explanation or a roadmap at this point, because I'm God. You can continue to raise clenched fists in anger toward me, or you can open palms of surrender and get the help that I can give you that you are going to need. And in that moment on my walk, I broke, I'm glad nobody was around, I just began to weep. And I said, God, you're right, I try to be, man, I try to figure life out and try to be in charge of everything and I'm not in charge of everything. And, and so, um, okay, so yeah, I get it, you're God, I'm not, so I just surrender. Could you please help me? would you please help me to be okay? Would you help my son? Would you help my family? This is a tipping point that you and I will experience often in life. So that you can kind of be with me on the journey. um, I want you to all like hold up clenched fists. Can you just do that? Come on, just humor me me here. Okay. Because this, God, why? Have you ever done that? Why and oh, Okay. And then there will be times when we can just finally say, okay, God, I surrender. I surrender. When I did that, thank you. When I when I did that, I was flooded with a peace I couldn't explain. There is great peace in surrendering to a good God who is in charge, who is in control and who has your best interest at heart and who can take the trials of your life and he can turn them into joy. You can be okay, but you got to surrender. There's a parable in the Bible that Jesus tells that I think is applicable to every one of these times of trouble that you and I experience. It's in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Now, the one thing I love about this parable is that Jesus tells some really interesting parables, some of which at the end of the parable, the disciples are saying, so what in the world did that mean? Have you ever read part of the Bible and you, you wonder that? Okay, so what, what did that mean? Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, I, I, he, he actually gives the conclusion before he gives the parable. I love that. I'm, you know, I just love direct and simple. So in Luke chapter 18, he's speaking to his disciples, and this is what he says. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart, saying... There was a cert, in a certain uh, city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, this is self-admission by the judge, though I do not fear God nor regard man, on the earth. So Jesus he gives this parable, and here's the the point of the parable is men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. So that's the message for you today. You should always engage God and not lose heart. Don't give up. Don't disengage from God. Don't raise clenched fists in anger against God and walk away. You're you're doing the wrong thing. How about open palms of surrender and move forward to the challenge that's before you and watch what God can do and watch his deliverance and watch how amazing the plan God has, even though it's not what you would have picked. Now, three points that come out of this parable. Number one is this. Trials uh, are a tipping point in everybody's life. It's a tipping point in your life. I don't know what trial you're going through today. Chances are, you know, something's going on in somebody's life, probably in all of our lives. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I mean, James is saying, actually, God predicts that trials are going to come. He also declares that trials and tribulations are a tool in the hand of God to perfect us. How does he do that? He doesn't put you, you know, on a holiday every time to perfect you. He puts you through trials, okay? So you got to hold out and listen to him. Jesus even said in John chapter 16, Thirty-three. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So Jesus doesn't give any Christian a pass. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, th- there is no guarantee that you won't have to endure the sufferings and the difficulties of this world. It's just it, Jesus said it's going to come. But the difference is, if I'm with you, it's going to make your life exactly what it's supposed to be. First Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not think it strange when concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange 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 thing happened to you don't be surprised we we ask this question why God why did this happen why why am I going through this but don't think it's strange we live in a fallen world we deal with things that are difficult it's just the normal thing that we have to deal with so in those trials understand there is no trouble free life available to anyone don't let anybody lie to you but here's the truth No matter what trouble you have in that tipping point, if you will will not raise clenched fists, but you will raise open palms of surrenders and take a step forward in the direction of God, he's going to do some amazing things for you. Now, some of you may be going through a trial, and I've heard some people assume this. They assume that if they're going through a difficult time, God is angry with you and he's targeting you. Did you know that's not true? Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean God is mad at you or he's targeting you. He's not. He loves you. I mean, don't compare your trouble to other people's trouble. That's not a good idea. Everybody goes through different seasons of trouble. Uh, Joy is optional, but trouble is always going to be part of the, the story. So Jesus is saying, I want you to always pray and not to lose heart. Don't give up. Don't go to despair. Don't quit. you got to keep on believing. Uh, you, you, you don't lose your courage. I mean, keep the dream alive. Don't let the setbacks and the disappointments carry the day. You have a powerful and attentive God who is on your side, and he can do the impossible. Make no mistake, he can move heaven and earth and move mountains. He knows what to do. You just need to engage him. Man not always to pray and not to lose heart. Secondly, God is for you, not against you. Did you know that? God is for you, not against you. This is a parable of allegory. This judge does not reflect God. It's the opposite of the heart of God. I mean, this judge didn't fear God. He didn't care about this widow, but she pestered him to death till he finally gave her what she wanted. It was like, did you please get out of my life? I mean, he gets up in the morning, and there she is. I mean, he goes to work, and she's sitting in the reception area. He leaves work, and there she is. She's pestering, pestering, pestering. He goes to a dinner party, and guess who's on the corner? There she is, I mean, persistent. This This is the persistence that we're supposed to have, but this judge finally gives her what she needs not because he cares about her but because she's persistent and this parable illustrates the opposite of what god is like god is ready to help his children god is anxious to help you god is not reluctant to hear what you need god is not going to run away from you he's going to run to you this judge is opposite he's god is for you he is not against you he's for you today um, I just want to ask this question. Have you ever connected to the God who created you by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior? For John 1.12 says this, but as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them gave he the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. God wants to pull you close and make you his very own. But a lot of people either neglect that moment. I mean, Jesus said, you must be born again. There must be a time in your life when you intentionally connect to the God who made you. And if you will do that, then God steps into your life in a powerful way. His goodness prevails if you will let, if you will let it. Um, So God is for us. Here are some of my favorite verses when it talks about God being for us. Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I mean, can you hear that? It's like God likes you. I mean, he's singing over you. Psalm 147, verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. I mean, he takes pleasure in you. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. God loves you. God cares about you. You know, even when you think God is not present in your life and active. He is active. Uh, and I think, you know, God gives us so many illustrations of his activity in our life. For instance, one of my favorite is the fact that even when you think you're sitting still, you actually live on planet earth that, that, that is rotating on an axis. Did you know that? It's rotating on an axis and you are going uh, 19,200 miles every day at a speed of 800 miles an hour. Now that's pretty amazing for sitting still, won't you agree? But God is a God so powerful and so vast and so infinite, it's layer upon layer because this. Earth that we're on, that is rotating, is actually orbiting around the sun. You guys all know this, and we are orbiting around the sun. We will travel 584 miles this year. Um, we are traveling at the speed of 66,700 miles per hour. That's incredible. That's not the end of the story, because in you know, our solar system, it it is it is rotating around the center of this galaxy at. It will take 220 million years. I don't know if you're going to make it um, before this happens. But it's happening. And we're we're moving at 493,000 miles an hour. And this is stuff that is happening while you are sitting still. Because, you see, God is so powerful and so fast, even when you don't understand what's going on. And even though you don't know where you're going, He actually is directing you he's actually working in our lives in unimaginable ways. And when we take what Jesus said and we do not faint, but we pray, God will listen. He'll be involved. You know, you might think God is so busy. He's keeping the cosmos in order. He doesn't have time for your little problem. You're wrong. Some of you might think that you know, it's, it's too selfish and presumptuous to ask God for too many things. You're wrong. Did you know the problem is not that we ask God for too much, but that we ask God for too little? I mean, it, this is about engaging God at every level in our life all the time, living in the presence of God. It's about walking with God on a daily basis. I mean, this is what God wants to do in our lives, because he loves you. One day, James crawled up in my lap. He was just little call up on my lap, and he, he says, "Dad, Dad." I said, "Yeah, what, what do you want?" No, no, He grabs my face and he puts it straight away to his. He says, "Dad, look me. Look me." Okay, what? "Dad, do you like me?" I said, "James, I love you." He says, "No, no, 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 no. Do, do you like me?" I said, "James, of course I like you." You know, I think sometimes we hear that God loves us and it becomes sort of like white noise in the background of our lives when we really are wondering, I know he loves me, but does he like me? Turn to the person beside you and just say, you know, God likes you. Come on, just tell them. They need to know that. Tell them. Third, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep engaging God. Cry your way through it. Tell him how confused you are. Tell him how much it hurts. Tell him how you don't really know how to get from here to there, what the next step is. You, you just keep engaging him. Man, not always to pray and not to lose heart. If you'll do that, you you will it will have a profound effect in your life. Your walk with God will become rich and wonderful and full of joy no, no matter what the trials and difficulties and tribulations you experience. Because you will then be able to count it all joy when you fall into any kind of trial. Because you see, God is for you and powerful. And if you will never disengage, if you'll stay right with him, he will walk you down the path but you can't give up. Sometimes people think that if we're serving a sovereign God, that His will should be easy and automatic and require little effort. You know, if God's powerful and in charge, and why should I have to work so hard? No, you got to work hard. I mean, that's just the truth. The thing is, you, you you work hard in the presence of God with the help of God. But this this is kind of how God has ordered things. Don't give up. Don't give up. Trials make you have to flex the muscles. In in Joshua chapter six and verse two, the story is that Joshua was leading the children of Israel out of the desert into the promised land. For First battle to be fought was Jericho, the most fortified, scary city in all of the land. And so uh, J- Joshua goes to God and says, okay, God, what are I supposed to do? God gives him this game plan. What I want you to do is I want you to walk around the city for six days on the seventh day, walk around the city seven, seven times, and then shout, and then watch, I'm going to take care of it, okay? So here, here we have the brand new general, He sort of his debut in this general deal. And he tells his people, his, his so General, what's the, what's the plan? Um, actually, God told us that we're going we're gonna to do a parade. What? Yeah, we're going to parade for six days, and on the seventh day, we're going to parade seven times. Sounds like a Branson show to me, you know what I'm saying? But they begin to parade first day, second day, Third day, the rank and file are probably saying, this is ridiculous. We should be building battery rams and ladders and all kinds of high-tech kind of tools to be able to defeat these people. What what are we doing? We're just like parading around. How wonderful is that? Seventh day. You know, the hardest time around the city was the seventh time on the seventh day because they were tired. Nothing extraordinary had happened but they persevered to the end. And then they shouted, and the walls came down, and the power of God was displayed. You will not see the power of God displayed unless you persevere. But if you will persevere, you will see the power of God displayed. You will see the handiwork of God in a well-thought-out plan The fingerprints of an almighty God who is for you will be all over your life. You know, um, when James got old enough to go to school, he he went to school, and uh, it was a tough moment, actually. You know, we take our little guy. He's like first, second, third grade. He's a little guy with cool backpack. Take him out to the bus in the dark because it's dark at 5.30 in the morning when they pick him up. And he gets on this bus and we wave goodbye and Cindy and I would look at each other and say, man, I hope he's going to be okay. Like if something bad happened, he wouldn't even be able to tell us. And I would every day pray, oh God in heaven, where we're not around to take care of him, would you please, would you please just watch over him? would you give him favor with his teachers and even his classmates and put people around him who will protect him and defend him where he can't? Every day I prayed that prayer. Kind of a boring prayer after about, you know, year after year after year. And then one day he came, he was in high school, got to high school, came home, told his mom, mom, I king." And so I came home that day, and Cindy says, you know, James is telling him something about he's going to be the king. What's, I don't even know what this is all about. What's this king, king thing? So I said, you better call his teacher. So she called the teacher, and the teacher said, well, um, actually, um, a group of students in, in, his, in his grade got together and decided to nominate him for LPA king, which was like, you know, the big uh, ladies pay all event. They have a king at the end of that. And so, uh, so he was nominated to be one of the candidates for being the king. So now that made sense. I'm king, I'm king. And so, you know, that began an effort now to try to convince James that you are one of the candidates for king. That means that you could either win or you could lose. And we need to be good sports. So if you lose, we're going to be gracious gentlemen and we're going to applaud the winner and be happy for them. And James answers at the end of this speech, no, I'm king. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, what are we going to do? I mean, so this this was like weeks worth of preparation, try to kind of prepare for the moment, come what may. And the day happened when he was going to, the king was going to be crowned, and so the entire family went, either to support or celebrate, you get what I'm saying, because it was going to be a devastating moment or a great, wonderful moment. And so here we are sitting in the stands, and we are all kind of on the tip, edge of our chair waiting for the announcement. I actually have a video clip of the moment. Would you join me? Let's watch that moment. is... Yeah. so sitting in the bleachers it dawned on me I had been praying for years that God would give him favor with his teachers and with his classmates and peers and protect him and look at the answer to this prayer Wow. So I don't know what you're up against today. I don't know what the thing is on your heart, what trouble you're dealing with. And maybe it's a marriage that's struggling. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that you're concerned about. Maybe, um, you know, it's your job situation or you have a financial issue and you you have no idea what to do. Maybe you, you, you need healing for an illness or... Um, maybe there's a loved one that you know and they don't know the Lord and have no interest to know Him. And you've prayed for Him for years, but, you, but can I just tell you whatever the issue is in your life, if you will just pray and not give up, you will see the hand of God. It may not be what you wanted or the way you wanted, but he's, He loves you and He's powerful. And so today, I'm gonna to ask you to bow your heads and you know, I'm gonna just help you to visualize uh, there in your seat, you can have a clenched fist. You might wanna just give a clenched fist. Say, God, I'm not, not liking you very much right now. Don't like what you're doing. But then I'm gonna give you another option. What about if today you would just open palms of surrender? Say, God, I need you. I need you. Turns out I'm not God. I've really tried to be, and that's pretty stressful. Turns out I need a God. I need a God on my side who will help me. So, what is it you need help with today? Open palm of surrender. Lord, help me with this. Maybe some of you are here today, and the truth is you don't have a relationship with God because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You, you, You know, you just seems so religious, and you're not about it, but how about if you just were to try? How about if you were to just say, God in heaven, I need you. I wanna follow you. I do believe Jesus was your son who paid for our sin on a cross, and I've got plenty of sins that need forgiving, so it would be so awesome if you would just wash them away I need a savior, so Jesus, come and be my savior. I believe, Jesus, you rose from the grave because you're that powerful. I need a God that powerful to walk with me throughout my life. So Jesus, I accept you as my savior today. Come into my life. Some of you are here today, you need to say, God, I, I need your help in this problem. I'm gonna stop being angry. I'm gonna come close and surrender, but I need your help. With, with everyone heads bowed, how many of you prayed with me to accept Christ? Will you lift up your hand? Yes. Yeah. How many of you prayed and asked God to help you with a problem today? Would you lift up your hand? Man, most hands should, should go up on that one. Yeah. You know, if you ask Jesus to be your savior, it's important for you to mark that occasion um, by raising your hand and then the connect card in your bulletin, just check that so that the people in this church can come around you and help you along your journey. You need to mark that moment for you uh, in your in your life today. God bless you.